Hi, I'm Edward from Supermetrics, and this is the Marketing Intelligence Show, the podcast that empowers marketing leaders to work better with their data and make sure every marketing dollar counts. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Supermetrics Marketing Intelligence Podcast. My name is Evan Kading, and I'll be your host today. Joining me is Michael Kaminsky from Recast. Michael is an excellent voice and thought leader in the space of marketing measurement, has written and published several articles online, doing some thought leadership on the topics. He's also the CEO and founder of Recast, and we thought it'd be an excellent idea to have him on the podcast to discuss some of his recent work and published media on things around marketing measurement. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself for our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Evan. So um, I'm Michael, uh, technically co-founder and co-CEO of Recast. Uh, My background's in econometrics, statistics, causal inference, have applied that to medicine and environmental economics, um, and now to marketing. And I'm really excited to be here to talk about, you know, this topic that I have become so passionate about, which is marketing measurement and how to help marketers, you know, make better use of their dollars. So thanks for having me, Evan. Of course. Yeah. Happy, happy to have you here. And uh, important, of course, to acknowledge that the co-founder, co-CEO piece as well. That's, that's, that's an important distinction. So thanks for making that. Michael, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the podcast is you recently wrote an article uh, that I saw on Lenny's newsletter, a a big popular newsletter in the product management and growth marketing space around different ways that large companies measure the impact of their media spend. And some of the takeaways that we saw at Supermetrics were really profound for companies who are evaluating their media footprint in the space today. Could you give us a summary of what some of the takeaways from that article are and maybe the the different methods that you're seeing companies out there in the wild use today to measure their media footprint? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the biggest takeaway, the most important thing that that most marketers should take away is that big, mature brands um, use triangulation to measure the effectiveness of their marketing spend. And so when I say triangulation, I really mean bringing together evidence from different types of measurement methods. So um, at least today, right, a lot of the a lot of marketers who came up in the last 10 years, they're very f- familiar with digital tracking methods like multi-touch attribution, MTA, last-touch attribution, first-touch attribution, et cetera. That's a great way of measuring digital marketing and its impact on digital distribution channels. But when you're a bigger, more complex brand, you actually need to start bringing in these other types of measurement methods and evidence. So the three methods that we talk about in that article are, you know, one, digital tracking, multi-touch attribution, two, experiments or lift studies, and then three, uh, media mix modeling or this type of statistical modeling for measuring marketing. And those three types of methods are widely used across especially the bigger and more sophisticated marketing teams. And so I think marketing teams today need to be thinking about what's our roadmap for measurement and how are we eventually going to get to this stage where we're using all three of those in order to measure the effectiveness of our marketing in a holistic manner. Awesome. So if I'm going to recap that for our audience, it's going to be a combination of three different methods, what you talked about, which is triangulation, essentially. So we're looking at MTA, MMM, and conversion lift studies. For those who may not necessarily be familiar, could you give us just a quick overview on what's an MTA, what is MMM, and and what are conversion lift studies? 
Yeah, absolutely. So MTA stands for multi-touch attribution. And again, I like to sort of call all of the different types of methods that are similar to that digital tracking, because the idea is we're going to track people across the internet, see what ads they engaged with or clicked on prior to conversion, and then assign every conversion one or some combination of those different ad touch points. So we're going to track people across the internet. And so um, that's the idea behind that methodology. Uh, a lot of you know great brands were built on top of multi-touch attribution, and whether that's just via Google Analytics or via some of the uh, or an in-house built tool or some other vendor that they might be working with, um, it's a really powerful methodology if you're primarily distributing or selling online. Right? So you have a Shopify store and you want to see you know, did they click on the Facebook ad or the Google ad prior to purchase. It's a great methodology for that. Um, the downsides of that methodology is that it doesn't really measure incrementality, right? Which is this idea of the causal relationship. So we can't say. Did they make that purchase because they clicked on that ad or did they just happen to engage with that ad prior to purchase? Um, and so that's a real downside of digital tracking type tools is that they're not really set up to measure causality, which is the thing that we really need to know as marketers. So um, other downsides are that it works pretty well for digital channels, um, but works less well when you have a more complex marketing mix. So if you're also advertising on radio podcast or different types of TV channels where there's less reason to believe that the click and the engagement is going to be able to be tightly connected to the conversion event, then you have to start making a lot more really strong assumptions in order to really be able to action off of those digital tracking type methods. Additionally, right, with the changes to privacy regulations and Apple's iOS 14.5 app tracking transparency rules, it's just a lot harder to do that sort of tracking in a really sophisticated way. And so now marketers are starting to realize, okay, there's all of these gaps in our tracking and it's not measuring incrementality. And so that methodology is starting as is getting a lot weaker. So digital tracking, MTA, that's one pillar. Second pillar, uh, experimentation, lift studies, geo holdouts, they all sort of fall into this idea of marketing experimentation. The idea behind this is that it we can actually run a deliberate experiment to get a true read on incrementality, the, a similar way to what we would do if we were testing whether a new medication works, right, or whether the vaccines work. The idea is you want to take two groups of people who you would show ads to, show ads to one group, not the other, and then look at um, how many more purchases you got in, in the group that you actually showed those ads to. And so you can do that at the individual level, which you might do via Facebook's uh, Lyft study tool or Google's Lyft study tool, or you might run it on your own at like a geographic level. So you're going to split the country into different states or regions or, you know, whatever the relevant uh, political breakdown is in your country and you'll show ads to some some of those regions and not to others and then look at the relative lift in number of conversions generated it's a very powerful tool for actually measuring incrementality but um complex to run right they can be expensive to run um, they can be complex to set up different uh different marketing partners right or platforms like facebook and google and tiktok and whoever have different ways of doing this um, and there's snapshots in time. So if you run the test between April 1st and April 15th, those test results apply to April 1st to April 15th, but not necessarily to July and September and November. And so as we move away from the time when that test was run, there's a lot of good reason to believe that we need to be discounting uh, the, the read that we got during that test period. It doesn't last forever. 
And then the last pillar is marketing mix modeling or media mix modeling. And, and this is an econometric method of trying to estimate incrementality. The idea behind it is you look at historical observational data. So how much money did we spend on TV every day going into the past? And how much money did we spend on Facebook every day going into the past, et cetera, for all of the different marketing channels? And you use econometric or statistical methods in order to find the relationships that are in that observational data. So we can say things like when we spend an extra thousand dollars on television, holding everything else constant or controlling for everything else, we get an additional in number of dollars of revenue. Maybe it's two thousand five hundred dollars. And then when we spend an extra thousand dollars on radio, we get an extra two thousand two hundred dollars. And that then can then feed into budgeting and planning decisions at a slightly higher level. Got it. Okay, so that's that's a good overview of the three different methodologies. I think all of which rely fundamentally on very different technologies and to some extent different statistical techniques as well. For marketers who are approaching these concepts, and this is a question we get a lot at, at Supermetrics, which is which of these methods should I be using across my digital media footprint? I think there's also an element of size that clients and, and customers of ours really need to consider when they're evaluating these different methods for tracking their the effectiveness of their market, their marketing spend. Um, what are some of the things that you look at in terms of the size of the footprint of the media spend that might necessitate some, some choice of a particular method for marketing measurement? Uh, yeah, really good question. So, um, the way that I think about it, and this is like really rough rules of thumb. So for the people who are listening, this definitely might not apply to you. Um, but in general, like if you're spending only less than like a couple million dollars a year, call it $3 million a year, I would say really just focus on your digital tracking methods and even in platform reporting. I think that at that level of spend, um, you really want to be focused on like, you know, product market fit, uh, creative testing, um, those sorts of things in order to try to get to that next level of scale before you really start to bring in some of these other more advanced and, you know, potentially distracting methods. Once you're above that couple million dollars of paid media spend, um, in general, what I recommend is to, to brands is that they start building what I call their testing muscle. And so this is this idea of start thinking about how you would run a test, maybe try to run a test learn how you're going to explain the results of that test to the marketing team and your executive team. Start educating the rest of the business on the idea of incrementality and how that's different from what you might be getting out of Google Analytics or your other tracking methodologies. And so start doing that, start playing with it, start thinking about it and start educating the team. Build that muscle internally, learn how to interpret those results. You don't necessarily need a vendor to help you do this. You can set up these tests on your own. I think that's a really good next step. And then from there, once you're in $5 million a year of paid media spend, $10 million plus a year of paid media spend, that's when you want to start getting really good at testing and start thinking about using MMM, media mix modeling, in order to bring everything together and make those high-level uh, budgeting and planning decisions. So again, very rough cuts. This will be different for different brands, but that's roughly the stages that I think about in terms of paid media spend for when they should start investing in these different technologies. Got it. So if, if I'm to articulate that succinctly, if you're, you know, under a few million 
in ad spend across a given year, you should probably really be focusing on your individual channels, on creative testing, and probably just focusing on the signals that you can get out of a well-implemented digital tracking solution, maybe a Google Analytics, some other lightweight and MTA. And then as you grow and as you scale that ad spend, as more resources become available to your business, or you see continued amounts of growth, then that's when you can start to layer in elements of conversion lift studies or MMM into your business for further resource planning. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And really, you know, if you're only spending a couple million dollars a year, like you really should probably only be in one or two channels. And I think you're, you know, I see brands doing this a lot where they're like, oh, you know, we want to be in podcast and Facebook and Google and YouTube, but they're spending very little amounts of money. And the problem is that that sort of stretching across all of those different channels is distracting for the team, right? Like it takes a lot of work to get really good at Facebook and Facebook can scale really like into a really big channel. Same thing for Google search It's going to depend on your individual business, like which of these channels is going to be your best channel. But in general, I think at that smaller, like subscale lever- level, it's better to pick one channel, focus on it and get really good at it as opposed to like trying to do these little small experiments in a ton of different channels that you're never going to get good at because you're not going to invest enough in in actually to learn how to do that channel really well. And so I would say for those smaller brands, focus on one or two channels, get really good at those, use those to scale. And then you don't have to, you know, the measurement problems aren't as bad when you're only in one or two channels. The measurement problems get worse as you add on additional channels. And so for the smaller subscale brands, focus, I think, is really the name of the game. And you mentioned the word subscale here in particular, and and the way that I think about scale is once you've essentially thoroughly saturated your target audience within that channel, that's really one of the reasons that you would start to add additional channels into your mix. Okay, I've taken Facebook as far as it can go in my business. I'm no longer able to track necessarily whether or not this is making incremental returns for my business. That's where I need to start branching out into other channels. Is is that right? I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And so, I mean, again, you can build, and I've seen lots of companies build really large businesses only advertising on Facebook, you know, 50 plus million dollar a year revenue businesses only on Facebook. And then they add on Google and that gets into a hundred million dollars a year. And so if you're doing like $8 million a year of revenue and you're trying to think about what's our podcast plan, I would say like you actually, that might not be the right fit for you. You should really try, probably start on these easier channels. Of course, for the listeners, there are going to be exceptions for that. You, listener, might be the company where at $8 million of revenue podcast really makes a lot of sense for you. But I would say broad strokes, right, especially for like D2C companies that are growing, it's going to make a lot of sense to focus on the on the really great digital platforms that exist that have massive reach and are fairly straightforward to operate and are well known rather than trying some of the the harder to manage channels to start. Certainly, certainly. And what what would be some examples of some of these harder to manage channels? Are we talking about DSPs? Are we talking about out of home? Are we talking about, you know, trying to measure something like the effectiveness of a podcast? Or what, what, are, what are some of those other hard to measure channels? Yeah, all of those. So out of home podcast, you know, internally managed display is really tricky. Anything with like, you know, video oriented. So CTV, linear TV, obviously really difficult. Um, YouTube even can be, I think, quite challenging because you have to believe that people are watching the video and then maybe browsing on their phone. And so the measurement and they're more sort of awareness based channels, whereas Google search and shopping and like Facebook, uh, uh, bottom of funnel type channels, they're like, again, not easy. It takes a lot of expertise to get good at those, but they can 
reach massive scale and they're a lot more straightforward to think about how those channels work and how you can measure them. So for, again, customers that are just getting started or listeners that are, you know, earlier on in their journey, I would say focus on those channels before you add on a bunch of complexity into your business. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And one of the things I, I think that's important to double click on here is you made mention of incremental conversions. Now, I think when you're operating subscale, you put money in, you get conversions, you're happy at the end of the day, right? You're selling product, your services are selling, that's great. Um, but when you get larger and when you have a larger media footprint, that incrementality ends up mattering quite a lot more. Could you maybe start to dissect what what do you mean when you talk about incrementality and how should our audience and our marketers be thinking about incrementality as they approach their channel mix yeah so incrementality again is this idea of a true causal relationship would the person have purchased if not for that marketing activity or that advertisement um, people are really familiar with thinking about incrementality in the context of branded search so let's talk about that if someone goes to google and they search for your brand name and then they click on that first ad, which is your company, and they make a purchase, the question that we as marketers should ask ourselves is, did we have to pay for that click or not, right? There's a case to be made that they were already searching for your brand, they were good, they wanted to purchase from you, and then you just gave Google the extra, you know, five cents or $5 or whatever that click cost you, even though they were already going to purchase. And so that spend or that ad wasn't actually incremental for you. So there are cases where that's true. There's cases where branded search is very incremental. So I don't want to say branded search is always not incremental. It's definitely not true. Uh, but I, it's a really easy example for people to start to think about like, well, maybe it isn't actually incremental and maybe we shouldn't be spending that money on branded search. 10 or 15 years ago, eBay ran a study doing this where they were spending huge amounts of money on branded search because people would go to Google and they would say eBay socks and then they would click on the first link eBay would pay Google money for that click. And then those people would, you know, browse on eBay and buy socks. But those people were just looking to get to eBay. Like they didn't need that extra ad there was not doing anything really for eBay. And they turned off that channel and their revenue stayed perfectly flat. Like they had been spending tens of millions of dollars a year on these ads that were doing nothing for them in, in terms of driving actual incremental conversions. So that's a good example that a lot of people are familiar with. And then you can start to think about like, well, maybe that's true for our other marketing channels as well, right? Just because Facebook is really, really, really good at targeting people who are in market for certain products. And so the question is, is like, well, every single ad that, that Facebook is serving, is that actually incremental? Or were those people going to purchase anyway? And Facebook's just really good at predicting who is going to purchase or not and then serving those people ads. And so maybe it's the case that Facebook is taking too much credit for ads that were going to happen anyway, because those people saw our ad on YouTube or on TV or whatever. And that's true across, you know, every different marketing channel that you're operating. In. And so smart marketers really spend a lot of time thinking about incrementality. And then they start to think about, okay, how are our different measurement methods measuring incrementality? And how far away from incrementality might they be? Last touch attribution, right, where you give the whole credit to the conversion to the last thing that someone clicked on or engaged with tends to over credit more bottom of funnel channels. It's easy to think about why that might be true. And so good marketers might still use last touch attribution, but they also want to be thinking in the back of their head, well, we're probably over crediting the more bottom of funnel channels. And so we might want to think about 
you know, maybe we don't take this at face value. Maybe we're going to adjust it. And then maybe we're going to run an experiment, you know, every six months on some of our top of funnel channels to see how far away from incrementality that touch-based attribution number actually is. Marketing is evolving and data is at the heart of it. Learn how to use data to power your next step at Super Summit. Super Summit is a one-day virtual event that brings together industry giants like Google, Meta, LinkedIn, and Uber to tackle the challenges and uncover opportunities of generative AI, big data, measurement, and privacy. Don't miss Super Summit, brought to you by Supermetrics on October 25th, and you can sign up for free at supermetrics.com slash supersummit or from the link in the show notes. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. And and that's probably horrifying, but simultaneously exciting for a lot of marketers out there to think that there are opportunities that are $10 million in size out there where, hey, maybe some of those conversions aren't incremental. I think the more experimental marketers get excited by this, uh, maybe some who are used to the traditional way of running things are, are uh, maybe a bit more scared about this. But that's why it's important to test. Uh, when you run those tests, you identify those opportunities to invest in channels that truly do move the needle for your brand. Exciting stuff, Michael. Um, let's pivot to MMM here, because I know that's an area of expertise, certainly in, in, your, in your wheelhouse as well. MMM, of course, has been around for quite a while, uh, as has the field of econometrics. So starting out in the 60s, where companies like Nielsen had solutions to uh, basically detect the statistical influence that marketing spend has on the conversions associated with a given brand. That study has now matured, and we're now you know, about 60 years past the 60s now. What has changed between MMM then and now? Yeah, really good question. So, um, just so our so our readers can sort of con- or listeners, sorry, readers, uh, our listeners can conceptualize what MMM is doing. Let's let's try. Let you know the example that I like to give is put yourself in the shoes of the CMO of Pepsi in 1985, and you need to make your budget decisions for 1986. How are you going to allocate your marketing dollars across the different channels you operate in? And that might be TV, radio, and print are going to be your main paid channels. Um, and then you're going to have some options around like discounting and in-store promotions. And there's no e-commerce is not a thing. Uh, maybe some people are buying a few things online, but it's not a thing. There's no digital tracking. There's no last touch. What ads do people engage with before they bought a Pepsi? Because all of the Pepsis are being store are being sold in stores. So, you know, grocery stores, um, some of the big box retailers exist by this time. But really like that grocery stores, corner stores, that's what we're talking about. And so. If you're trying to make that decision, it's a really it's tough to think about how are you going to go about how are you going to go about doing that. And so, what practically you would have done is you would have hired some consultants who are econometricians or statisticians. They would collect your data historically. Okay, how much did we spend on TV and radio and et cetera by week going back? You know, the last couple of years, and then how much did we sell by week going back going back the last couple of years? And we're going to do some regression modeling in order to try to understand okay when we spend an extra thousand dollars on tv it generates in number of additional dollars for the sales and then you're going to take that information and then build it into your plan and then you're going to go to upfronts where you're going to buy a whole bunch of you know impressions or whatever for tv for the next six or 12 months and then you're going to repeat that process once every six months or once every 12 months depending on your internal planning cycle so that's the idea right that's where marketing mix modeling comes from um and the idea, right at the high level, we're going to take aggregate data and we're going to use statistical models in order to find those causal relationships in that historical data, very much the same. The difference is that in the last 10 or 15 years, we've developed a whole ton of new 
both statistical uh, statistical models and machine learning models that allow us to estimate much more complex statistical models than what was possible 10 or 15 years ago, and definitely than what was possible 50 years ago. Right? So 50 years ago, you have very small amounts of data and you have to estimate a very simple model on top of that. Um, now you can estimate much more complex models using supercomputers in the cloud in a way that has made it so that in the past, whereas you might have needed a consulting statistician to spend hundreds of hours handcrafting this special model for your business, now you can apply the power of machine learning and sort of simulation-based statistics in the cloud in order to be able to get to a much more powerful model much faster and more affordably. And so um, that is sort of on the computation side. And then additionally, on, on the theoretical side, there's been a lot of evolution in, in, in the realm of statistics and econometrics in terms of people thinking about causality. How do we actually measure causality? How do we do that in an observational context? How do we do that in a really smart way? Um, and so you bring those ideas together and, a lot, and it, it's brought us to a point today where we can um, build models much faster that are much more actionable and useful for driving uh, actual day-to-day, week-to-week decisions for marketers. And if I'm going through the exercises of preparing my data for this model, um, building out the cloud infrastructure, potentially the data scientist teams, or hiring a, a company like Recast to help me with my MMM journey, what are the decisions that I should expect to make once I actually get the results of that MMM? Is it going to tell me which channels to invest in? Is it going to tell me which campaigns I should invest in? Is it going to tell me which kind of creative I should be putting out in front of my audience? Yeah, really good question. This is an area of active research. So a fundamental problem with these sorts of um, observational models is that you have to sort of estimate the model at a, a fairly aggregated level because there's limited amounts of statistical signal because we're operating in the aggregate. We're not operating at the individual user level. And so in general, MMMs tend to work at an aggregate level. So we're talking about, you know, you might be able to compare Facebook prospecting with Facebook retargeting, with Facebook awareness, with Facebook ASC. But at the individual campaign or creative level, there's often much more limited amount of spend and therefore more limited amount of variation for the statistical model to be able to exploit. The way these statistical models work is they require variation in the inputs in order to be able to get an estimate. So if you spent the same amount of money every day, there's no variation there. The model will not be able to give you an estimate. If you only spend, you know, a couple of dollars, right? Hey, we spent $10 this week and $5 the next week you know, we're a big business, the model is not going to be able to, to differentiate between those changes and just the, no, the, the noise and the random variation in the overall business. So in general, right, MMMs are going to estimate at that sort of more aggregate level. How is Facebook prospecting performing as a whole? How is Google shopping performing as a whole? There has been some active research on how can we break that down even further, but it requires a lot of computing power and often requires making some fairly strong assumptions about how those internal campaigns or pieces of creative relate to each other. And so I would say, if you're embarking on this journey, you should probably assume that you're going to operate at this more aggregate level and be making budget decisions. Should we spend more on Facebook retargeting or not, as opposed to expecting that you're going to be able to get down to the creative or campaign level like you might be able to get to with in-platform reporting or some types of digital attribution methods. 
Yeah, and I think that's where what you said earlier about triangulation really becomes important because are you going to rely on MMM for 100% of your marketing decisions? I don't think you are, and I don't think anybody's making that promise. I think it's a question of can you use MMM to guide you on a macro level? And then at the micro level, you probably are going to want some other tools to help you make those more tactical decisions in channel. That's exactly right. And that's what we recommend. You know, we would never, I would never recommend that someone throw away their digital tracking <laughs> tooling in order to just use MMM because you need to make those, you know, more fine grained decisions. Like, should we use the blue background or the red background in this ad? And MMM is really not going to be able to rely on that. And so you're going to need to combine these different measurement methods. But again, the thing that I emphasize to marketers is you need to be really thoughtful about which method are you using for which type of decision and what are the limitations of those different methodologies in this, like the plane of decision that you're actually making. Yeah. Yeah, certainly an important thing. And th there's a couple of things as well that that we find certainly at Supermetrics that uh, for companies who are looking to start doing MMM, there are a lot of challenges, both data challenges, but also organizational challenges. Um, and Michael, I'm sure you've seen some of the same. Could you give us some examples of customers maybe that you've worked with where they say, hey, we want to get started with MMM, we're ready to go, but all of a sudden, it, it turns out that um, they, they've got some roadblocks in the way. What, what are some of the big roadblocks that you've seen in, in your practice for companies who are ready and want to get started with MMM? Yeah, really good question. So I think there's there's two types of roadblocks. So one is on the data side, and then one is on the organization side. And so we should probably talk about both of those. So on the data side, um, at least the way that we think about the right way to do MMM is you want to do it in an iterative, um, in, a, in a really iterative way. So you want to run the model, make changes, run the model again, see what changes and have the model continuously adapt to those changes that you're making. That's how you can maximize signal from the MMM. That's how you can build trust within the organization. And so we think that's a really powerful way of approaching this process as opposed to once every six months, getting a PowerPoint deck, thinking about it and then doing nothing. So that's part of our core philosophy, but that implies that you have good, clean data that you can shove into this model on a weekly cadence. And in order to be able to do that, you really need to not have a human in the loop doing manual data cleaning if you want to be able to achieve that. And so that means you need automated data pipelines set up that are pumping all of the data that you need from for your MMM into a centralized data warehouse that the MMM can then read from. And so tools like Supermetrics are amazing. They can really help companies um, get set up with that sort of data, especially from, you know, the digital platforms, get that all into a data warehouse. So it's always there and ready to go. The places where I think companies often struggle is on the, the non-digital side. So TV, right? It's often you're working with an agency and you have to rely on the agency to get you that data uh, in a consistent format. And who knows what that agency may or may <laughs> not be doing, you know, in the process of getting you that data. Um, you know, sometimes you're running local radio. If you're running local radio, there's going to be some Steve in Alabama who has to assemble your reporting sheet and email it over. Um, and how are we going to like, what's the pipeline to get the data from Steve into our data warehouse? Other channels, you know, I think companies should be thinking about this today. But if you're going to do an influencer program, how are you going to track that? A lot of influencer programs start out in Instagram DMs and they never make it to the data warehouse at all. And so I think <laughs> if you are a business that's exploring those sorts of channels, you want to be thinking about what's our process for collecting that data, cleaning it and getting it into the data warehouse with the rest of our data so that in the future, if we ever want to do some amount of statistical modeling, we will have that data available. 
Um, and so again, different company, you know, a lot of companies that have been found in the last like 10 years, they're very smart about data. They have this idea from the very beginning that they want to build this infrastructure. Those companies are generally on a, on a really good path. Sort of older, more legacy businesses often have a lot of issues in terms of going back to get this historical data for some of these programs that are run by an external agency or have been managed in-house sort of haphazardly. And so that can be a real challenge. And so I would encourage every brand to start thinking today about how are we going to get our data warehouse into this good, clean state where it's updating regularly so that we can report on it, you know, even without talking about MMM at all, but then also will eventually enable some of these more powerful and sophisticated tools that we might want to do. So, yeah, that's, yeah, I was going to say that's that's a really really good breakdown, and and you know we obviously at Supermetrics can certainly help on the data side, uh, but I think what you highlighted is is just as important, if not more important, which is priming your organization to make sure that they're ready to actually consume the outputs of this of this model in a meaningful way, right? And making sure that the expectations are set correctly and there's organizational buy-in behind, hey, this is something that we're going to do. It's going to take some work and we're going to get some results and those results are going to be actionable, but they're not going to answer everything. And we need to continue to have a strategy around media measurement that is informed at a cadence that is also regular and, and well-decided upon. Yeah. And I mean, I want, I want to talk a little bit about the organizational complexity because it's, it's really is real. And, um, Eric Sufert, who does Mobile Dev Memo, I think just this week published an article on, um, you know, the problem of trying to explain a probabilistic attribution methodology to the CFO and the executive team. And it's it's a really great article. I'd encourage everyone to go read it. This is a real issue. So if over the last 10 years you've trained your executive team and the board to only look at last touch attribution, which a lot of organizations have done, when you want to start bringing in these other sort of more probabilistic or incrementality type measurements of experiments and MMM, it can be a real issue for them because they're so used to looking at what was the last touch CPA for Facebook and what was the last touch CPA for Google and having to re-educate that organization that, look, last touch CPA is valuable, but it's not incrementality. It's has these flaws and limitations. And in the long run, it's going to cripple our business because if we only measure everything on last touch attribution, we're never going to be able to start working in these more top of funnel channels that are going to be undercredited via that type of measurement methodology. And so I think for organizations that are looking to get to that next level, you really need to start today in terms of educating the executive team, the board, the CFO on the right way to think about measuring marketing effectiveness. And incrementality tests are part of that. MMM might be part of that. But you need to start to wean them off of this idea of we're going to make every business decision based on last touch attribution and start to educate them about these other ways of thinking about measuring marketing effectiveness. Otherwise, you're going to get to this point. You've run an MMM. You have the results. They're not going to line up with your last touch attribution because if they did perfectly line up with your last touch attribution, why are you doing it? And then no one's going to make it. No one's going to want to action off of them because they're going to say, well, we trust last touch attribution and we're not ready to, to make any changes. And that's going to be a real problem for you as a business. And so for marketers, I want to encourage lots of marketers today to start thinking about how are we going to start talking about this as an organization? How can we educate the rest of the team that digital tracking is not the end all be all of marketing and we actually need to be thinking in this more holistic way. Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's it's impossible to understate the organizational challenges just around folks who may not understand what 
marketing's contribution to the business is relative to what it's been historically. I think that that fundamental repositioning of marketing and how it delivers customers at the end of the day needs needs to be reconsidered. And hopefully some of these new methods, or I guess methods that have been around for a while, but some of these methods that are now enhanced by new and recent technological developments can really help along with, with that as well. Absolutely. So, Michael, that's that's most of the questions that I had today. But uh, if you were to give some advice to those who are interested in maybe getting started with MMM, whether that's today, whether that's six months from now, what would be the things that you would recommend folks focus on uh, today? Oh, man. I mean, so number one thing, start educating your uh, executive team on how like how to think about incrementality. I think that's the number one thing that every marketer should be doing. Make sure the whole company understands incrementality, that idea and why it's really critical to get right as a business. Beyond that, I would say um, start running experiments. So start talking about uh, incrementality and then start running experiments and start to, again, think about okay, why are these results different from what we're seeing in platform or via our last touch attribution? That is the best groundwork that you can lay for doing MMM and more sophisticated marketing measurement uh, uh, approaches in the future. Awesome. So educating stakeholders on incrementality, making sure to prime individuals who may not necessarily be immediately connected to marketing on the role of what marketing is and, and how it should evolve in the organization. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Makes makes total sense. Well, Michael, it's it's been fabulous having you on the podcast today. Certainly look forward to having you back, hopefully at some point. But uh, I've certainly learned a lot, and, and I hope our listeners have as well. Evan, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. Um, if any of the listeners want to reach out, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can check us out at getrecast.com. Thanks again for having me. Really great, and good luck to all the marketers out there. Thanks a lot, Michael. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Intelligence Show brought to you by Supermetrics. If you're enjoying the podcast, then we'd love for you tap that subscribe button, leave a review and share with your colleagues and peers. We'll see you in the next episode.